Welcome to Mediation Station. Each week we explore topics and ideas related to the experience of people with conflict and look to promote the profession of conflict resolvers. We are available to connect with at greggf at primus.ca and 647-227-4734. Visit us at our Facebook page to like us and Facebook group page to become a member. You can also visit YouTube at both CHHA 1610 AM and also at Greg Fenton to see videos of Mediation Station. Also listen to podcasts of each radio show at both pcrtoronto.org and soundcloud.com. Our topic tonight is called Sexual Openness, Moving Along Through Our Fears to Breakthrough in Intimate Relationships, with the visitor this week being Karen B.K. Chan, otherwise known as B.K., I have her permission to say so. Laura Tarcia is here tonight to co-host with me. And also in the room is the Radio Elf. And we'll be hearing from all soon enough. Waiting uh, patiently amongst the two of you sandwiched there is BK. How are you hello, doing? Hello, hello. I'm warm and well. Happy yeah. to be here. Yeah, we've uh, raised the temperature in the room. You should see it on this side. It's like it was a sauna when I got in here. I can see here. it on your face, yeah. yeah. That's probably because I'm facing the three of you. Thank you. My, my internal furnace is going off. <laughs> We're going to talk tonight. We're going to have a very candid conversation, provocative. It's, it is with regard to relevant to relationships and challenge and change and conflict within all those spheres, I should call it. So how about you first share, BK, something about your professional background? Sure. Um, I am, by trade, uh, a sex educator. So I do a lot of uh, work with individuals as well as um, people in, in groups. Um, and those groups could be a group of two, um, like parents or people in relationships, intimate relationships, or they might be groups of professionals getting together uh, for training. Um, and then by way of doing sex education, and I've done that for about 20 years now, um, I started to do a lot of work in, in emotional intelligence because ultimately um, where people get stuck a lot of the times is not a lack of information. It's really about how to, like, to integrate that that information and those, the integration barriers are often emotional. So these days I primarily do sex education alongside um, what I like to call feelings work or emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Should I sing feelings? I think uh, you there, there could be a good feelings. moment to put I that. Took, I t yes, I'm sorry. I took a moment <laughs> to, to breathe in her because the, the background. It's because I'm, I'm taking my time. This is, this is about feelings <laughs> and emotions. Sometimes my feelings are a little bit slower and sometimes they're a little bit faster uh, to assess. So the only qualifier I'll say integrate. is that we only have an hour. <laughs> <program>. <laughs> so, okay. So just... You know, Note bear it. in mind that part. Note it. Thank yeah. you. So, uh, BK, do you want me to, is, is BK okay or K? Yeah, I actually have two names and I use them both just to be extra. So what do you prefer tonight? Um, I'll call me BK. BK. My friends all call me BK. So how did you gravitate towards this area as a practice? Um, I started out in a lot of uh, violence prevention work and a lot of um, work with uh, women who've experienced violence and also uh, by volunteering at a lot of HIV prevention and education type of organizations. Um, and so I just kept doing the things uh, that I liked the most. So out of the HIV prevention and education, um, aside from explaining what viruses are or uh, talking about the process of testing or prevention, what I really enjoyed talking about was 
how scary it was to wait for your results or how um, unnerving it was to even bring up the topic of sex before having sexual experience with someone. So whatever I did, I um, was always pulling towards the nuances and the gray areas and the, the things that were hard to talk about. Um, so that's how it started. It was it was pretty um, un, uncharted and unplanned. Mm-hmm. And what keeps you engaged still in it? I think, uh, and I often tell this story, which is that both sex and feelings are not things that I'm naturally good at. And so um, for me, it's a path of healing. It's These are always the parts of me that I need to learn more about, to uh, feel more liberation in, to um, unlearn a lot of stuff in and, and just find a place of ease and inner peace and all that good stuff. So I think that's what keeps me going. It's just that I still have a lot more healing and learning to do myself. So so in a way, by doing the work you're doing with and for others, it's also you're working on yourself. Yeah, absolutely. That's the ultimate bonus. That's a uh, dual benefit, if you want to call yeah. it. Yeah. And I would say that if you're working on yourself, it helps the clients or the people you're working with. Then it, you know, comes back into you. It feeds each. They feed each other. They really do. And I often also say, you know, it's kind of like the violin violin uh, teacher who had a hard time learning the violin. Um, they may end up being a great teacher because they know what it's like to struggle mm-hmm. and to trip up and not get something versus the natural talent, the genius who was born might be not necessarily a great teacher because mm-hmm. it comes naturally to them. Right. And so talking about sexuality and feeling at ease about it and talking about feelings and actually feeling my feelings are neither of those things actually come naturally to me. So I, I feel like I have an advantage Mm-hmm. In, in teaching this as well. Well, you got to make yourself vulnerable, vulnerable, I believe, in order to really get others to really appreciate that you're real. That's exactly it. BK, what does it mean to talk about sex in a relationship? Um, it can mean anything. I think um, if you talk to most sex educators, uh, you'll get these uh, unsatisfying kinds of yes and no answers. I feel like that's the the trade, um, the brand of the trade. So, uh, what does it mean to talk about sex in relationships? The answer is it it can mean anything. It can mean, um, talking about sex actually before you have sex, during sex, after sex, it could be talking about, you know, your, the formational years of your sexual imagination. What, what did you think about? What did you feel? You know, what were your experiences as a kid? Um, it could be talking about anything from like nudity, you know, so is your family naked around each other? How do you feel about being naked? It could be like talking about turn ons, turn offs. Um, so it could really, I think, be anything. Mm-hmm. Why, why would people talk about sex, especially during sex? What's the connection? The great part of that is um, that it, it increases possibility. Um, so I wouldn't advocate for talking about sex always and only during sex, but that if it's part of the vocabulary, part of what's possible between people, then it allows you to make like moment to moment adjustments to learn stuff, to understand, am I interpreting what you're doing or what you're saying or the sound or that movement correctly? So it, it really can help 
uh, people understand each other and it can help people express themselves. And as you were saying, Greg, earlier uh, about being vulnerable, I mean, during sex is one of the most vulnerable moments um, that can be shared. Um, and if you're communicating during that vulnerability, I think that has the potential of, of communicating from a, a very vulnerable place. Which can, you know, connect you even more greatly. Exactly. Because of the risk involved, I think it can build a lot of trust. Mm-hmm. And so how, how is intimacy? Because I'm thinking about, so talking about sex in, in a relationship, it can be various various ways so that can take many many uh, avenues uh how is intimacy defined and determined is mm-hmm. it is it physical the physical acts of sex or the emotional mindset or is mm. there something i think you, again it, you'll probably find so many different definitions of intimacy for me when i use the word i'm usually meaning um being really quote-unquote real or authentic showing yourself to another person and that could be physically actually you know revealing your body maybe but um, more often than not uh, revealing the parts of yourself that might be hard to accept might be tender might be wounded might be pained might be um, might be difficult and so um, surpassing the the daily protection that we might have over ourselves um, and then having two or more people do that with each other I feel like that's intimacy but I mean ask me tomorrow and I'll probably say something different Mm -hmm. (laughs) so when you have relationships we all we have different kinds of relationships with different people we have casual relationships we have superficial ones we have intimate ones we have professional Mm -hmm. etc when a relationship you know broaches onto sex and quote you know where does it come to become intimate mm-hmm. relative to just a sexual relationship? Mm-hmm. Good question. I think um, sometimes in uh, popular pa- parlance, uh, sexual relationships are called intimate relationships in, in a sort of uh, polite way. Um, when I actually don't think all sexual relationships are that intimate and that many non-sexual relationships are super intimate. And so if we use the definition I gave just now, then it's really about um, traversing some of those distances that we have between people. And I think, you know, a a very short uh, interaction between two people who don't know each other well can be very intimate. And then sometimes people will say it's easier in those moments to actually be intimate because then, you know, my relationship to you isn't uh, burdened by all our history and I have still have to, you know, look at you tomorrow and for 10 years after and I still have to raise kids with you um, and I'm still mad at you about that other thing Um, so sometimes those things become barriers to intimacy so I think um, when does a relationship become intimate Um, hard to define but uh, I imagine when it feels both super risky and super trusting that might be a clue. And the other hand, intimacy. though, I mean, why does it have to be, quote, intimate to have a relationship? It doesn't, yeah. It really doesn't. I think I wouldn't want all my relationships, you know, different kinds of relationships to be all intimate. I would, wouldn't have that kind of time. Or, you know, it, it's intense. Or energy. Or energy. Mental energy. Or mental energy. Let alone emotional physical. energy. Yeah. 
and I, I do enjoy my shells and my masks and and my protections, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think uh and, and so sometimes there's also that assumption that if my none of my sexual relationships or none of my current relationships of any kind are intimate, that somehow I'm missing something. It's it may not be my cup of tea right now, you know. It takes a certain kind of investment. Yeah, I mean, we, we talk about this with identity, and I know that's part of things that you talk about. And I ask people a question, how does one identify their identity? From others saying who they are or how they identify them or how one self identifies? Yeah, well, it, it's interesting because that reminds me of how people talk about sexual orientation. And so there, there's many schools of thought, and one school of thought says it's what you're doing. And so we can see by what you're doing what your sexual orientation is. If you're sleeping with people who are of a different sex, then you're heterosexual. Um, if, and then another school of thought says, no, if you, you are who you say you are. So you could be a straight guy who has sex with other guys and feel to yourself uh, for all intents and purposes like a straight man, and therefore you're a straight man. And then still others will say, no, it's about who you fantasize with. So if you're having sex, you know, with no one or with lots of people, but where do your desires flow? That's what defines you. And I don't know. I mean, all those schools of thought make sense. Mm -hmm. They're not irrational or unreasonable. At the same time, I think they uh, can coexist, you know. So I don't know where identity should come from. Which one would you lean towards more? I mean, the three schools of thought. Which one was, would be something mm. that you would identify with? <laughs> I think no, for me, both <laughs> politically and emotionally, I always think about um, self-identifying. So, you know, because what other use is there? You could talk about my behavior. You could talk about my fantasies. But if you want to know my identity, I think you should know it from me. Mm-hmm. Um, and And as someone who and I think many of us feel this, are misinterpreted or misunderstood frequently. Um, So, for example, a lot of times I'm looked at as quite a young person uh, because of how I look and how I perform myself, Um, and I have a very young spirit. And uh, sometimes I'm thought of as being a young man, depends on what I'm wearing. So, like, these are how the world sees me, and that's all very important to me. Uh, but at the same time, it truly is not how I identify. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that, that skews me, that sways me towards wanting to say, well, identity is how I identify. But it doesn't mean that it's, it doesn't matter that, you know, the guy at the LCBO always cards me and says, can I see your um, driver's license, sir? And I always say, yeah, absolutely. Is it is. the same person? <laughs> It's different, but I can't tell them apart. You think so. they'd learn after a while that I just saw you last week. Yeah, I know. You were you reached the age of majority at least last, last week. week. Did you revert? Go backwards? I think it's different guys, maybe. How would you see or how do you suggest that a satisfying sexual relationship would look like? Mm. What would that look like in a in a couple's I'm going to do that sex educator thing and say okay. it would look very different for everyone and throughout our lifespan, through throughout it, it changes. I'm often faced with questions when people want to um, shape their lives so that it, it uh, looks a certain way mm-hmm. or um, 
feels a certain way and really I I do believe that relationships happen between people right and so often uh, if someone is looking for a partner uh, the question that's posed to them is you know what are you looking for what's your type you know what kind of people do you like um, and I think the questions that are missing include how do you um, what are you like in a relationship that you want mm-hmm. versus what are they like um, and also how does the relationship that you can't know about until you're actually in relationship with someone how does the relationship um, affect you does it bring out uh, certain parts of you does it change you of course it changes you how is it changing you um, and so a satisfying sexual relationship I think only happens when you experience satisfaction mm-hmm. and I, I, I've just like done a weird word in a sentence Not- rearranging them thing but I, I think that's the truth mm-hmm. like satisfaction can be not having sex because it could be having infrequently sexual experiences it could be having it all the time but it really is about um having needs met you know and so those needs are are different for all of us at all times is there a secret is there a secret i think the secret that people um uh uh don't get enough reminder of but yet practice often is courage like it really requires a lot of courage to relate to someone else so courage in the initial courage all the time throughout the relationship yeah like courage like every crossroad we come to where i could either hide or show myself where i could either blame you or say i'm scared uh when i could say i'm in pain versus you're making me angry you know making all those choices and they're very painful they require a lot of courage like i think the the fear uh, doesn't get talked about enough. Joni. Well, I'm just, I'm finding what you're saying really um, very profound, BK. Because, um, and I think it's not just sex, but in in all kinds of satisfying relationships, mm-hmm. that it really comes back to not um, what type yeah. do you have or what kind of person are you attracted to, but how do you feel about yourself yeah, when you're with right. that person? Yeah. And that, to me, is the sign of how how satisfying the relationship is. If you feel good about yourself and safe in your own skin, mm-hmm. and you feel the courage to mm-hmm. risk different things mm-hmm. and spice things up in your life, that, I think, is a huge sign mm-hmm. of, of a really rocking relationship yeah (laughs) and you know i often will ask people if i'm doing trainings or workshops one of my favorite questions is or favorite invitations is for people to tell me about a time when they took a risk you know it could be anything from skydiving to i said i love you first to you know i had kids or i moved to this country or that country and like through all the different experiences that people share we really see that when you're courageous and you take risks, sometimes it feels really bad. You know, it's not like the moment I take a risk, then immediately I get the rewards. And sometimes the risk doesn't turn out. So it's also the feeling of uh, vulnerability, back to Greg's word, um, and the feeling that I'm going to keep risking. I think those are really good marks, uh, hallmarks of a good relationship. But of course, also boundaries and say, you know, enough risking here. <laughs> it's not working. I'm going to quit. That takes courage too. But 
I feel like time and time again, that's the theme for me. It's the courage. It's also a good time to laugh. You know, when you take a risk and it doesn't turn out and yeah. and something really stupid looking happens yeah. or you get an injury, a sex related injury, injury or yeah. something like so that. Something you want to share? <laughs> no, no, no. I wish. Um, <laughs> but uh, those are the times when you can put things into perspective mm -hmm. and say, oh, I took a risk. Don't I look silly? So what? Mm -hmm. So what? Nobody mm -hmm. died. Mm -hmm. Nobody, it's not world peace. And you can laugh at it yeah. and you can, and, and it just extends your ability to put life in perspective and just enjoy everything that happens, whether it works out the way you envisioned it or not. Yeah, that's hard. But yeah, what she said. That's what <laughs> she said. Yeah. <laughs> So when, when at least two people are attracted to each other and the relationship leads to them engaging in sex and they find out they have differing sexual desires. So why are differences, including sexual ones, seen in practice as barriers rather than as opportunities to unite these differences to create mm -hmm. something that can be even better than its individual and separate parts? Well, I think that's that's the question that medi mediators answer all the time, right? Like, most people are really afraid of conflict. Most people are really afraid of difference. Um, and the, the safety that comes from, like, I know you, you know me, we belong together, I'm not going to be rejected, I'm not going to look like a fool, like you're saying, Joni. So when people have different sexual desires, I think it's not experience just as oh I want it like this and you don't or I want it lots and you don't it actually feels like it touches on deeper parts of us like uh, you reject me you don't like me nobody will like me um, or I'm creepy I want you know sexual uh, experiences or at a frequency that you don't like so it, it comes with all these social associations I think that's what makes it really hard that's one part of it. The other part is, you know, it's one of the best ways and most socially um, accepted ways to feel connected to an intimate partner, right, through sex. And so if you take that away or you make that um, tense or difficult, and if the other um, ways of connecting to this person are not strong, then it can feel really, it can shake the foundations, or if you try to impose that on someone yeah. and they're not yeah. quite familiar, aware, or ever engaged in that kind of thing. Yeah. So there's like a big symbolism of a stop sign. Yeah. Difference is seen as a barrier. Absolutely. Don't go forward. Yeah. Don't go there. So instead of being that, if we take it and reframe that stop sign as opportunity, possibility, yeah. Yeah. maybe by learning we can see it as something that hmm, I wasn't aware of. And yeah. by engaging in some way, at least with information, yeah. then, you know, you talked about communication earlier, yeah. sharing details, explanation, what are your needs, concerns, wants, desires, as mediators always tend to go to, yeah. right? People learn of and about new things that they weren't aware of or insights. It helps transform people's mindsets. Then we get engaged. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really much. I mean, it does, it does sound like the communication piece is critical mm -hmm. to how you would even express that I have these needs or I have this yeah. uh, this particular um, um, style or yeah. uh, you know even even the attitude matters you know to be capable to 
feel silly and yeah. say that it was silly and laugh at it. It's, it's a great attitude. But I'm wondering, because you did bring in the social component of it, yeah. just I'm wondering, is it, is it the societal fabric or is it just like the social construct that is sort of developing our views and attitudes towards the way that we even express or don't express the way we feel about sex? Mm-hmm. I do think so. I think that's yet another facet of why it becomes such a common problem uh, between, let's say, two people, um, their sexual needs not being met with each other exactly the way that's perfect, you know? I think a huge aspect of that is it's scary to talk about. It feels taboo. Many of us don't have practice. Mm -hmm. Some of the words are hard concepts are hard and um all of it makes for you know it it can lead easily to feel ashamed Mm -hmm. you know so if i'm ashamed already i'm dealing with a lot of stuff within me now i have to communicate to you about us that's Mm -hmm. that's a lot on the plate at the same time yeah Uh, nobody wants to feel shamed or or shameful to uh to to bring there's there's a little bit of an echoey. Where now? Um, in the room. In in the headsets, but that's that's that okay. That just came into play, or it was yeah, there before? It just it, just it might have been in. when there was a call. Okay. There was somebody calling in, and uh, I answered the phone, and they heard my voice, and they, well, they were you still have there. Just passed the phone directly to BK. That's why, because they weren't looking to lot to talk to you. <laughs> pa- that's probably it's, it's just as simple r- as that. I I I just didn't realize that. Wow. Thank you for communicating. Here's that. communication <laughs> one on one. Do I have time to make a, an observation here? I was just thinking about what we were saying, and and I think North American society and the media, mm-hmm. in particular, is so messed up about sex. Um, it's 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 all anyone ever talks about and advertises about, and at the same time, it's a big, huge source of shame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're bad, and it and there's a moralistic kind of judgmental feeling about being open and sexual and sexual behavior is somehow dirty or mm-hmm. somehow and there's a real um it's 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 a really schizophrenogenic kind of um, <laughs> for lack um, of a better word thing. yeah sorry <laughs> yeah, that's a, it just it's it's a contradiction yes. in terms and uh, if you look at a lot of european nations or scandinavian nations we have sex education is really open and mm-hmm. really um, and, and it isn't so shame based and fear based and um, then a lot of the unfortunate consequences of kind of warped sexuality or or sexuality that isn't healthy and, and good for you like sexually transmitted diseases, unwanted pregnancies things like that mm-hmm. Um, it's we have a much higher rate here in North America, and yeah. we need to get our act together. We gotta change the world here. Yeah, yeah. Is this the start tonight? One radio program yeah. at a right time. Right here, right, right it's here. It's happening. It's yeah, happening. You guys gonna tweet it out there, like broad based? Yeah, I mean, you, you can tell you know a lot about social media. Obviously yeah. not. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We're gonna tweet it. Um, well, I, the, I the, the whole idea of the show—that's my I, point. I, I have a question. Yes. 
Thank you. Thanks for sharing that and having the courage, right? Because we absolutely <laughs> yeah, need courage. You I need a lot of courage Greg, in this room. What with a the great three of us. student, Greg is. And I <laughs> had to make myself vulnerable. And, and, and trust <laughs> me, you so are. It's you hard. Are. Don't worry about that aspect. <laughs> oh, 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 his lip is trembling. <laughs> if only people could see this live streaming. <laughs> uh, stay tuned. Uh, what's the, uh, the what can you suggest for someone? So let's say there is a disconnect in between, you know, what one person feels mm. that their sexual desires um, should, you know, be met with or mm. like, and then the other person is not really open to change. How how would they approach this? Mm. I think they have um, like folks in that kind of situation have a few great options. Uh, one of them is to really develop uh, a sexual relationship to themselves, like as persons. A lot of people haven't had that opportunity. So uh, many of us have um, the idea that our sexuality is about relating to another person. And that, um, and many of us also feel the pressure to have our, um, have the affirmation of our sexual being come from outside of us right and usually come from a partner a sexual partner or intimate partner and so when that's not working out then i'm left without uh affirmation there's a there's a void right there's a real void and that's a lot of pressure to put on my partner Mm -hmm. that if i don't if you if things are not well between us then i a don't feel sexual i don't feel you know attractive i don't feel um happy that's a lot to, uh, to put on one uh, person and one relationship. And so I always encourage people to still have sex with themselves, to, to still have um, sexual pleasure um, if they don't have other partners. And another thing that I, would, I of, often suggest is to find multiple ways of connecting so that when one thing is ruptured, like the, the sexuality part, try really hard not to let that rupture everything else Mm -hmm. so stay connected it's kind of like the idea that you know if we're kissing and it's not quite working like i have a cut on my lip or something and it's hurting then at least be holding hands at the same time while we're working out this this kissing uh problem logistics right Right? so so it's metaphorically speaking so what is what what helps you hold your hands together what are the things that do connect you? Don't forget that um, while you work on the, the cut on your lip and let it heal or you help me heal it or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. Like a safety net. Have like yeah. a, whole, a whole sort of web. Yeah. And so diversify your ways of connecting. Mm-hmm. When people get through, you know, that breakthrough sexually in an intimate relationship, uh, what they can do to maintain that. Mm. So we spoke a little bit about communicating, about, um, you know, having relationships, you know, good relationships with themselves and then expressing um, various ways, having a safety net. What else can they do to maintain that good sexual relationship Mm. over a long time? And Mm -hmm. this is almost a personal question. (laughs) (laughs) Do tell. What do you do? Right. Well, um, I want to tell you a couple of things. One is uh, one of my favorite sex educators, um, uh, Esther Perel. She's a sex therapist and an author, and um, I just love her so much. She's so smart. And one of the things that she talks about that is so on point is that um, in recent decades, in recent times, we've started to ask everything of one person. 
So we're asking for safety, right? And you, you better be there for me and stability. And at the same time, I want excitement and I want sexuality. And I wish for that impulse that we used to have when we first got together. And at the same time, you need to um, be a partner in life for me. You know, so we're cooking together or we hang out together. We go on vacations together. You have to be everything for me and emotionally support me. So this is a recipe for failure. And so she was saying, she says in her book, um, Mating in Captivity, that one of the biggest mistakes that people make is that they, they assume closeness more, the more the better. And the closer and the closer and the closer you are, that, that makes you more and more solid as, let's say, a couple. Uh, but the reality is sexual um, passion and sexual, the thrill that uh -huh. many people love about sexuality requires um, the, the crossing of distances. Mm -hmm. You have to reach across. But if there's no distance between you, then there's nothing to reach across. Mm -hmm. And so her um, advice to people include create that distance. So have things that your partner or partners may not know about you. Have, um, at, you know, have activity outside of the couple um, and, and develop yourself so that you, you still have a personhood, that it's not only a merging of two people. Um, so that's one thing I would say, um, and I try to take that to heart myself too. And the other thing is expectations. And I think a lot of people um, think that other people are having better relationships than they do. It certainly is true around sex lives that most people imagine that other people are having better sex lives than we are. And so the reality of um, sex lives and relationships is that they are all really messy and nobody's having a fantastically perfect, you know, conflict free, totally matched in sexual uh, interests kind of relationship. And certainly nobody's having beautiful, perfect um, kind of movie camera moving around the room. The violins kind of are playing, I can hear them now. Exactly. And the reality of sex is that it's so messy and full of unexpected sounds and interruptions and bodies not responding or not working the way you want to um, and anxieties and fears, right? So um, a lot of times when things are good, uh, some of us uh, don't know it because we might be expecting it to be perfect, mm -hmm. even though it's not possible. That's so much pressure, like monogamy. Is that? Is there? No, tell us more about. That. No, I'm, I'm like a, I'm. I'm yeah, reading yeah. between the lines of some of what the person yes, you quote. The monogamy, yeah. Yeah, like all one person yeah. responsible for all things yeah. other. Yeah. And you know some variety or diversity in terms of yeah. the ways we interact and what we interact with can be stimulating and invigorating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So going back to monogamy. Yes. <laughs> yes. And? and I'm just looking at the title of our topic, openness. Is, mm -hmm. is that something that's... A contradiction? Is that? No. It's, it could be. I'm not sure. Is this something that um, maybe it would be a suggestion to have multiple partners? Oh, um... I think if if people are into it, I I I think it, it's a definitely a healthy way to have relationships, uh, either monogamously or polyamorously or open marriage, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think the arrangement is 
really up to the people. Like the health of a relationship is not based on the arrangement. It's based on, you know, the ability to be honest and like we've been saying, courageous and trusting each other and also catching each other when we fall and fail and things like that. Um, so yeah, I, I think it is an option that many people do seek, but I don't, don't suggest it as like the remedy to a problem. Okay. The, we, the, the, sorry, go ahead. we got to close out, unfortunately. I know we can go over time, but. Okay. So we'll, we'll go over time, but off air. And yeah. That's, and off that's air. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. So just want to pull out the last one. So how, how can people then just move quickly into the last question? How can people get more informed? Um, about the things that we talked about um, I would suggest in this day and age, like, Google it. <laughs> uh, read blogs. Uh, find out what kind of voice uh, you're looking for in terms of uh, somebody to talk to um, and Do you ideas. Have a uh, I have a website. It's fluidexchange.org. Um, and I'm also on Twitter and so on. So just look me up, Karen BK Chan. Thank you. Thank you, BK, especially for the very informative conversation thanks for laura and thanks for elfie joining thank you okay Have a good night thank you Greg. yep we'll see you sometime you've been listening to mediation station on chha 16 10 a.m voces latinas <laughs>